Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Doc Talks, where I, Doc, talk. We took a break from feats, but now we're back. Let's just get rolling. Also, I'd like to apologize. I have people fixing the inside of my house and painting, and the dogs might be heard. They're fine. They're watching the zoo, but they want to come out and bother the painters. To be honest, my wife would kill me if they are any other color than the color they were when we put them in the room. So I just don't want you to freak out if you hear the doggies. Most of them are just jerks. So I hope everybody can hear me okay. Just <sighs> relax. And enjoy the ride. Alright. Uh, we're going to jump right into the wordiest one. Ritual caster. Kind of like this one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, all you have to have is an intelligence or a wisdom of 13 or higher. Uh, you pick one class uh, that you want. And you get to pick two spell, level one spells with ritual tags. And then you get a ritual book. This is super awesome. Anytime you come across a spell, scroll, or book with those spells in them, bam, you can attempt to learn them. It's pretty cool. You do have to use the modifier of the class you pick, not intelligence or wisdom, even though that's a requirement for this. So just remember that. Be careful um, what class you're picking but, boom, spells, intelligence, or wisdom high enough. It's a great feat. It's a lot of fun, especially if you're not a casting type. Throw something in there if you don't want to. Go full whatever casting in the class that you're playing or if it doesn't have one. It's pretty simple. I summed it up, and it's literally like three and a half paragraphs in the book. Hope I didn't miss anything. Eh, it happens. Savage Attacker, once per turn, you get to roll damage twice and take the one that you want. Do all of the damage. Uh, it's good when you have to roll a few dice or if you have a great something or other. And the reason is because if you have a 1d12 or 2d6 and you roll them, you still could roll a 2 where you could have got a 12. 10 points is a lot. This isn't the one you want for... Uh, what am I trying to say here? Like, if you're doing daggers or something with 1d6, because the difference between 1 and 6 isn't that. But, been in a bunch of battles where 1 or 2 points has made all of the difference. So, wouldn't say that it's bad, but be smart. Also, Savage Attacker, what it sounds like, RP that a little bit. It'll have fun. But basically what happens is if you roll the damage dice, you don't like it, you Savage Attacker. And you can do this once per turn. This isn't like once per day or anything like that. You roll the dice, you roll really low, you say Savage Attacker, you roll it again, and you get to select which one you want to take. Sentinel is pretty dope. It is pretty awesome. Seen it used a lot of different ways. It is pretty great. Sentinel really works up close, personal, and then has some pretty cool things. And it looks like Mike saying that is pretty OP, but let's go through with this. 
when I hit, and the word hit here, a creature that I'm taking opportunity attack on, I'm going to drop that creature speed to zero, meaning they can't get away. That's right. My favorite part of this one is because it's anti-rogue, and that's why, hey, you get to take an opportunity attack even if the creature disengages. Oh, you can't run away, little roguey. Uh, so just be careful. DMs can do this to creatures and NPCs that you're fighting. Just be conscious that these things do happen. Uh, also, if you atta- uh, if they attack someone, so you're five feet from them in the game, one square away, and they attack someone else beside you, and the person they're attacking does not have Sentinel, you could take an attack of opportunity. But it is in there very clearly. If the other person has Sentinel, you can't take that uh, opportunity attack because of the sentinel Sentinels. They kind of just cancel each other out. I'm glad you dig it, Mike. I'm going to put that on the podcast. But I don't think it's that OP. I think it's an answer that you could take as a feat. You're not increasing damage. You're not increasing. You don't get more reactions to take uh, attacks of opportunity. What you get is something else to do with your attack of opportunities, not just one hit. Sharpshooter is one of those I love and hate, and I will explain that. Attacking at long ranges has no disadvantage. I don't dislike this one. If you train with a bow and arrow, if you train with throwing axes, just throwing out there barbarians, this works too. I'm okay with that part because it would make sense that you would be more accurate distance-wise for a big target. But anybody who's ever been out any kind of target, whether arrow, throwing axes, shooting, whatever it is, the further the target away is, the smaller it is. So I understand seeing and hitting at further areas. The part I don't like, and, and it's not like I dislike the whole thing, the part I don't like is your range weapon ignores half and three cover. Car, uh, cover. I'm not a fan of this. I'm a fan of half of this. But I, I see the point to this, and, and here's what it is. It would make it harder to hit if it was behind half cover. So half of it's out. I would say as a sharpshooter with all the RP that you got about how good you've got with this thing, or your backstory about how good you've got with it, which plays into this. Remember, always have a reason to have these. I get the half cover. The three-quarter cover, I honestly, I don't agree with. And I've played with the sharpshooter feet before. But I do see the point to it. And I, I would say that it's pretty okay to do that as well. But let's take it a step further. I would say that's fine within the first range increment. But if you are going further than that first regular, even if you, you know, you got this feat so you can shoot the full distance without disadvantage. But if you get past that, bow and arrow is not that easy. Even your most practiced uh, archer is going to have a problem with this. I think you should talk to your DM about this a little bit. These are the things I'm thinking with it. Rules is written. Three-quarter cover, doesn't matter. You can hit it. It's 320 feet and you have a long bow, no problem. You, you can attack it without disadvantage. 
that's where I'm iffy on this one. But one thing I do like is this one has this unique thing that we talked about with great weapons and stuff, which is I can take a negative five penalty. So I have to say I'm going to uh, take the shot with a negative five to hit. And if I hit still, I get to add ten more points of damage to that attack. The key is, is that I have to announce this attack. I have to very clearly let you know that I'm going to attack taking a negative five penalty to get the extra damage. I just usually have my players say, I'm going to take the negative five sharpshooter. It makes it interesting. But again, when they write these out, they write them very generalized and they don't think about... I mean, uh, one day I can download the errata and we can go through it. It's the list of extra rules and things that have been written after the book's been published that they kind of put on top of it. Even rules as written are not necessarily rules as written unless you have the errata as well. Shield Master. I know. I thought the same thing. Let's Captain America this. It's not, but it is kind of cool. You can use a bonus action to try to shove a creature within five feet of you with your shield if you took the attack action. But let's talk about the shove. Remember when we were talking about combat, I told you that you could do the shove action, which is to push somebody away or attempt to trip them. From what I'm seeing in this, that's what it means. So it would be cool if I swing my weapon, I have a shield, and I use a shield to try to knock my opponent prone or push him back five feet or whatever. Um, I, I'm always a fan of the trip. I want more people to understand that they could do the trip as an attack action and that if you have multiple attacks, one of your attacks can be this as well as grapple. I'd like you to mix it up a little bit, but a prone creature against melee weapons, they, you get advantage when you go to swing on them. If you're not incapacitated, so you're not passed out, and you have to make a deck save against a spell that targets only you, you can actually add the AC to the shield to save against that spell. This answers that. I get a lot of players for a very long time in 5e that have always asked me about why the shield doesn't play into the spell. They made this and. As a feat, they made it later on because feats are usually after the rules are written and a few of them aren't, but that's not normally what happens. And this is an answer to that, meaning that if you could see the spell, it's targeting only you and you had to make a deck save against that spell, you can use the AC to add on to your save. And I, I really do like that. Also, if I have to make a deck save to take half damage, I can use my reaction, again, using up my economy for that that round but i can use my action <coughs> excuse me to take no damage pretty much get behind my shield and have it protect me skilled is one of those okay i i, I don't dislike it as a feat but here's my thing have a story reason plan ahead it's hard to explain just having these abilities out of nowhere and seriously, DMs, think about letting this be something they can pay for during downtime and spend time, like 45 days or whatever you choose, to do something to gain another skill or gain another proficiency. And, and any of these, I understand that these are a little bit more powerful, but the story and the downtime have a reason if there's nothing else. And, and that's really what I'm going to say about that. Skulker. 
All right, you want to be a sneaky person, that's fine. If you're not a sneaky person, that's fine too. You have a dex of 13, thumbs up. Okay, what do we do? We get to try to hide when only obscured. Why not? Why not in a heavy snowstorm while fighting a Yeti do I not have the ability to try to hide from said Yeti? There's a lot of snow around. This is a DM discretion, though. That's what obscure, obscured is not a... Um, what am I trying to think of? Um, 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 it's not a defined term. So it's DM's prerogative. DM's let your players have fun. But again, DM's know that don't let your players take it too far. Like, let's live in a realm of what we call possibilities. If I attack with a ranged weapon and it misses, while I'm hidden, I don't give away my position. I like this. I sometimes use, depending on how many people at the, at the table as a DM, I'll roll at disadvantage to see if I can beat that stealth score to see where they are. Uh, off of an attack that misses. But the truth is, is if you fire an arrow and it misses, how is that creature in the midst of this confusing, chaotic combat going to figure out that it was oh, behind that rock? We miss out the perception of what it means because what do we have going on? We have the battles going, but we're doing six seconds per person at a time. When it's six seconds of time, I gotta do better in red again with this. I have something I do. I want to add that in there, but this makes sense to me mid battle. I don't know why it's this, but yeah, or just in the woods for an ambush. Yes, but you're not just obscured. Depending on how thick the trees are in woods, though, I do like it if they are thinner. You still have that possibility. Um. Uh, dim light does not impose disadvantage on perception checks because, and I do love this part, you're a sneaky person that learned to like adapt to low lights, kind of where you live as a sneaky person. Just, again, I beg you, please have a role-playing reason for this, not just because it's cool. Add to the story, not just your character. I guess is the best way to put that. Spell Sniper. I'm going to say this. Pew, pew. Um, honestly, I love this one, and it makes me laugh at the same time. All right. So, I'm going to cast a spell, and I have to make an attack roll on that. I can shoot twice as far now. Pew, pew. Think of it like, I don't know why I think of finger guns when I think of this, but I think of like a spell going like, all right, line it up, you know, aiming the spell. You ignore the half and three cover quarter or three co quarter cover, and I mean it makes more sense than sharpshooter because well, it's magic. One of the cool parts about this is you can learn a cantrip that is an attack roll from another spell list. <laughs> pew pew. So as long as you can have to make an attack roll on that, that means they don't make a save. You make an attack. Roll a d twenty, adding your spell modifiers. You could take it from any list. And, and I always like the ones where it mixes up the magics a little bit. And we'll get to that when we talk about magics a little bit. Alright, this one I've talked about, I think, since day one. That's because one day, I will have a non-monk, punchy, grapply person. It's just going to happen. 
It's called the Tavern Brawler. You say 240-foot Eldritch Blast. I get that. But Spell Sniper, if I have Spell Sniper and I take the right Eldritch thing, it's 600 feet. But we're not going to get into that. The Tavern Brawler increases con and sh- or strength by one, not to exceed 20. Yes, this is always my thing because most of the time you're giving up on your ability scores to take one of these. And I love it. You get proficiency with halflings. I mean, improvised weapons. Unarmed strikes go from 1 to 1d4, which, again, remember we talked, like one or two points has usually been a, a, a deciding factor. If you all hear that, I do apologize. We're still doing a lot. Uh, when you hit with an improvised weapon or unarmed attack, you make a bonus action to grapple. So it gives you something to do with your bonus action. So if I throw a half or use a halfling as a weapon and I, I can also then grapple the person. <laughs> Don't tell me why. I just think this is hilarious. I mean, just, just take a second with me and imagine the possibilities of a tavern brawler. I love it. Uh, in a bar, some drunk idiot starts a fight and you end it. And that's what it is. And I love it. It's awesome. Tough is simple. Increasing your hit points equal to half your level at the level when you take it. And then every other level that you get from there, you add plus two. Some more power. (laughs) I mean, you're harder to take down. A lot of hit points are going to help you. This is not one of those, like, if you have a ton of hit points, it's really good. Though that's true. This is not one of those, if you're a wizard, this is helpful. Though that is true. This is one of those that, if you're getting hit in battle quite a bit, is an easy RP. But I beg you, if you plan to take this one, to overemphasize the injuries you got in battle before you do. We're going to jump to Warcaster. Mo-ha-ha. Love these Warcasters. Anything with spells I, I usually like because they're kind of neat. All right, so you need to be able to cast a spell on this one. Okay, check. Advantage to maintain concentration is sometimes a big deal, depending on how much damage you take or what you're fighting. And we'll get to concentration checks when we get to spells and like how they work. The part I like about Warcaster is, if you're like me, you grew up in books where a wizard wasn't just staff-wielding magic, it was a like different kind of magic user. So there's magi, wizards, uh, but I want to focus in on magi, because one of the old school magi things is, it's a fighter that can cast spells. And also, the lore goes, they get more powerful when they serve a king or somebody else. With this Warcaster, you can do uh, somatic components if you have a weapon and a shield in both hands. One in each. If your hands are tied up with something else, you can do it. The way the rules normally work, you can't. You need a free hand to cast spells. We can get into that a little bit more later. This one's a little bit more confusing. Gets a lot of table rules, but it is what it is. 
And also, one of my favorite things about Warcaster is opportunity attacks are no longer only for the melee-wheeling people. Because, pew, pew, you should be able to. And I like it. I also like that it's like part of the economy and building your character in the game. Like, you're giving up a lot to get this feat, but it is a really good feat when you think about it. One more in the player's handbook. Weapon Master. Increase your strength and dexterity by one. Gain proficiency with up to four weapons. And again, I want to emphasize this. You need to make sure that you RP this out. What do I mean? <laughs> I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to start saying it more often because I like it. Add to the story, not just your character. Before you go to rest at night, after you guys traveled for a while as a party, find somebody who uses the weapon that you do and ask them to start training you. And then when you get to the level where you're going to take this ability, it makes sense for you to have it. And it says gain proficiency with four weapons, so make it story-wise. I, I would love to hear where you go with this, but make sure that you're RPing this. If you don't have an RP table, obviously don't, but add to the story, not just your character. is very important. Make the story one of those things. I just noticed that the red again thing that I have says tonight. I'm going to need to get one that says Monday. Because they're on Mondays. We had it yesterday. And it was awesome. I'll talk about it in a second. Not all DMs require RP, but me, personally, I need it. Uh, ask your DM. Because it is fun to RP, and if you're going to think about something, think about it ahead of time. Don't just take it when you get there. Have some fun with this. Someone in the party, or you find a book that teaches you the stuff that you want, or as long as it makes sense, just make sure that you have a goal with how you do this. Uh, if you did miss the episode of Red Again yesterday, it's up on Twitch channel still. This Twitch channel that you're watching, or if you're hearing this in podcast, it's uh, twitch.tv forward slash nerdworksmedia. Uh, that's a W in works, not an O. Uh, we play every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Next week, though, we need to take one day off. Not a big deal. We'll be back the next Monday. Uh, which I will be building a Lego Hedwig and answering questions on stream about D&D or Redigan or any questions that you guys want to ask because I'm crazy enough. If you're listening to this in podcast form, I'll be releasing this this Friday. Uh, so, I mean, technically three days from now. When I release this, you still have Saturday, Sunday, and if you want to come by Monday night on NerdWorks Media in the... Uh, in the Twitches there, I'll be there and we'll be doing this. And you can watch me. This is my first Lego. And I know it doesn't have a lot of pieces because I've seen the other ones and they have a lot of pieces. But I've been told to be very careful because some of the pieces look the same. And I've never built a Lego. But I'm going to give it a go. That finishes up all the feats that are in the player's handbook. Um, I'll let you guys decide if we're going to go further, but if I have some time tonight after I'm done talking here, I kept my Tasha's, uh, Cauldron of Everything, uh, excuse me, Cauldron of Everything out, uh, because if we want to go through that, that would be the next one. Um, and I want you to remember this. I'm going to go through these, but I'm, I want to go through the books if, if you guys want to hear them and what you can do. Tasha's is pretty cool, but... 
A lot of DMs play, like, you can use the player's handbook or you can use the player's handbook in one other book. And there's a reason for that. And I don't want you to be mean to your DM. They're trying to make sure that they know what's going on in the game. They want to know that... They want to know or have an idea about what you can do. Also, sometimes it's always because it limits them on what they can do. And that's kind of important in the game to make it easy. I, as a DM, cannot... I tell you that you're limited to two books, and then I start doing books after books after books, <clears throat> um, using different things. When those books that have these spell or certain spells and certain feats and stuff in them are meant for the monsters in that book, if they have a combination, don't be mean to your DM. Sometimes there's always a purpose. Play outside of what you want to play within the realms of what you want to play. The game is a whole game, so have fun with the whole game. Not just one aspect of the game. But do talk to your DM. I have been known to break down different feats, make new backgrounds, create a whole new class for my characters when I think they're going to have a lot more fun with it. As a DM, you can do that. If you're going to do that and dabble your foot into the homebrew thing, just make sure that you're not breaking the game. Limits are for a reason. Uh, I don't tell this story often, but I will. And it's because one of my first times DMing, all I wanted to do was give away magic items. <laughs> and I gave away magic items at a really low level. And the game really just became... It was fun because the characters were just like demolishing everything. And then they realize it's not fun because there's nothing really of a challenge. Then I had to step up my game, but now I'm out of their their league CRs really do have a purpose even though I have my problems with the CR uh, and monster ranking but it is what it is I guess I uh, got yeah, let's do spells next I'll put it in the discord for everybody so uh, you're more than welcome to come to Doc and Friends discord I'll uh, actually get an invite in there right now for you and I will put an invite on the next um, the next release of the podcast so if you're listening to this you can just check it out on the 8-1 it'll only be for 7 days so I hope you all see it a little bit uh, before it goes phew there it is it's in the discord so if you're showing up late it's not a big deal take a look any questions about the player's handbook uh feats. I, I don't mind going over anything. I don't mind answering questions. If you have specific questions for it and how to use it, I can answer those, but my answers are only good if I'm DMing your game. So I had to throw the glasses on for this to open up the Tasha book. I'm flying today. I don't know why. I gotta slow it down. I also gotta correct you know what let me correct it while i'm looking at it that chat is pretty high up there don't you think <laughs> let's uh let's do one of these here these here uh, i'm gonna do one of these as well you'll see what i'm doing in a second i promise and there we go boom i fizzed it I'm going to crack open Tasha's. Let's do a couple. I got a couple of minutes here.
The Artificer Initiate. I want to be honest, I haven't even read this part yet of the book, so let's do this together. You've learned some of Artificer's uh, inventiveness. Is that a word? It is now, I guess. You learn one cantrip of your choice from the Artificer spell list. Bliss, that's pretty cool. Uh, you learn one first level spell of your choice from the list. Intelligence is your spell casting ability for this. Okay, seems pretty straightforward to the caster thing. You can cast this feat's first level spell without a spell slot, and you must finish a long rest before you cast it this way. I kind of like this. You can also cast a spell using any spell slots if you have them, but if you don't, you don't gain spell slots. You get to use spell slots. That's pretty cool. G-Wrath! Uh, you gain proficiency with one type of artisan tool of your choice. And you can use that type of tool as a spellcasting focus. You know what? I really like that. I like that they did that as an artificer, that your spellcasting focus is the tools. But I'm glad they added it to the game. Uh, I got Chef. Time spent mastering culinary arts has paid off. Granting you the following benefits. I'm very interested. Very interested because this makes camping a little bit different, doesn't it? First thing I get is that I can either increase my constitution or wisdom by 1 to a maximum of 20. And that is any time that you get ability scores when giving up ability scores is great. You gain proficiency with cook's utensils if you don't already have it. Okay. As part of a short rest. Oh, not even a long rest. As part of a short rest, you can cook special pr food provided you have the ingredients and cooking utensils on hand. You can, compare, you can prepare enough food for a number of creatures equal to 4 plus your proficiency bonus. At the end of a short rest, any creature who eats the food and spends one or more hit dice to regain hit points gets an extra D8. I gotta look into this. Because if this stacks with the Bard Song Arrest... Unlimited cosmic powers, using less of your hit point dice. If you ever wonder why that's important before I read the, the rest of this, I don't know if you guys know, but hit dice don't fully come back after a long rest. I know, I know, I know. I'm probably breaking some minds, but... <coughs> hit points don't come back after a long rest, or hit dice don't come back after a long rest. Only half of your hit dice rounded down. So if you have three, you use three at level three. Then the, after a long rest, you only have one. That's why that's important. So this makes you use less of those. And I enjoy them. But I like that you can do that in a short rest too. With one hour of work or when you finish a long rest, you can cook a number of treats equal to your proficiency bonus. These special treats last eight hours after being made. A creature can use a bonus action to eat one of these treats to gain temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus. This is like like a small version of Heroes Feast. This is... I'm not... I could see a lot of uses for Chef. A Chef Tavern Brawler Fighter. Variant human, so I can get one of those at the beginning. We got some time. Let's go through a couple more. Crusher. You are practicing the art of crushing your enemies, granting you the following benefits. This is 
I haven't even read the whole thing, but that is a great way to, to start this one off. Increase your strength or constitution by one. Again, anytime you get that. Once per turn. Wow. When you hit a creature with an attack that deals bludgeoning damage, you can move it five feet to an occupied, unoccupied space, provided the target is no more than one size larger than you. So using the same rules as grappling or push, I can use this. When you score a, a critical hit that deals bludgeoning damage to a creature, attack rolls against that creature are made with advantage until the start of my next turn. Hey, Mike, they just minimized fairy fire. That's pretty cool. This is... I'm not going to lie. This is this is fun. I do like the way it's word. I want to take it more because it's called Crusher. Eldritch, Eldritch Abdept. I'm having problems with words this week. I probably have to go get checked. Uh, you have to either be a spellcaster or have a packed magic feature. I like that. Studying occult lore, you have unlocked Eldritch power within yourself. Are we call it Cthulhu? You learn one Eldritch invocation option of your choice from the Warlock class. If the invocation has a prerequisite of any time, you can choose that in vocation only if you're a warlock who meets the prerequisite. Okay, so I get it. Whenever you gain a level, you can replace the invocation with another from the warlock class. Huh. Okay, they really thought about some of these, didn't they? I'll play with somebody one day who does this and I'll have a problem, but right now I don't actually, excuse me, see an issue. I got the hiccups. All right, one more, one more, one more. Fae touched. Your exposure to the Fae Wild's magic has changed you, granting you the following benefit. Increase intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one. That's pretty cool. It, it opens it up. You learn the Misty Step spell and one first-level spell of your choice. The first-level spell must be from the Divination or Enchantment School of Magic. You can cast each of these spells without expending a spell slot. Once you cast either of these spells in this way, you can't cast that spell in this way again until you finish a long rest. You can also cast these spells using spell slots uh, you have of the appropriate level. The spell's spellcasting ability is the ability increased by this feat. We're going to go through the rest of these. I, I like these. I should have read these. I didn't, but I should have. Oh, the meta magic ones too? Yeah, we were going through that because uh, now, spoiler alert, that your sorcerer has been outed on our podcast. We had a lot of fun last night. Uh, it was very interesting. The story of Redigan is moving. I I love our table. I love our table because we can, without hurting anybody, and, and we do checks afterwards just to make sure everybody was okay, but we can 
bring things up that are a little bit more sensitive at our table. I can introduce them into the story within limits. And the cast that I have, the players at my table, have been incredible. Uh, Mike, Magic, and Phoenix. Because they not only take the yes and, but they go a step further. And they started last night, episode three of Red Again, dealing with real emotions in-game. And real thought processes. I talked about it today a little bit. I've been talking for friends for a long time, but we forget to listen to understand somebody. We always listen to respond. Once we take that listen to understand, we change what the conversation is. And if you're one of those people who think the world needs to change, I beg you to look at rhetoric and change through knowledge than change through yelling and, and aggressive. And, I, and I'll tell you why. P, some people need to be a, and have aggression towards them. I'm not, not even saying that that's not an option. I would be a hypocrite to say something like that. I choose to do it with rhetoric, talking, and understanding. I really want to see the other person's point of view. And the reason is because in rhetoric, going back and forth, I might not change his mind now, but at least if we do it right, he'll understand me better. I also am not feeding into the trolls that are literally starting this with me to start it with me. And I love that our table is respond to understand a little bit. We're getting better. And I don't mean we, I'm talking more the characters. The characters each have issues. The characters each have cool, powerful background stuff. Each of them is dealing with something. Each of them is going through stuff. And in episode three, because of a couple of bad roles, and I did the math. The possibility of that happening, Mike, was like less than 8%. But it happened. Where part of Taysan's background came up and, and it had to get dealt with. Um... And I left on it, but it brought it to it. And I love that it happened in that episode only because we really built up to Taysan in that episode. Dealing with Taysan and, and his awkwardness and them now understanding that his trauma causes powerful magical stuff to happen. Sometimes funny magical stuff. I'm still waiting for the butterfly thing. But... I am blessed to have a table where my players allow us to deal with real life stuff in a fantasy setting and give it credit and do do it right, I guess is the best way to put that. I would hate to have my hands tied. And, and I just want to say at the end of this Doc Talks that I love my players in Redigan so much. They ask like any other players, but they ask so little from me. They ask me to give them a story, and I'm trying to make it as best as possible because of all the stuff that they've given me in return has been amazing. This is the table you want. And the cool part about this is, our table is not set up with perfectly, exactly like-minded people. We're like-minded enough, but we don't 
all think the same way. And we all know it. And we all love each other for it. This is the way tables should be. I talk a lot on this podcast about avoiding toxic table stuff. I want you to avoid the toxic table because I want you to feel like I do where almost 24 hours after we started recording and started talking, we, I feel blessed. I hope my players do too. I didn't ask them. It was just something I was thinking about today, about being at a table that is has the ability to do stuff like that in a way where everybody feels like they were heard even when they don't agree. It's what it is. Life's not that hard, people. I end with what I always end with, which is love one another, keep it nerdy, and live your dreams. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.